L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Let's take a look at the injury report to start things off here because some spice coming out here when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Some first of all some un completely unwanted spice. Here's some some something that I actually take a little bit of umbrage with. I don't know if it really matters that much because of where the team is. But why was Akella Witherspoon not placed on IR? I right. mean, he's the just dude missing is just missing after week and after taking week. up a roster spot. Yes, yeah. Every single time. So uh, he's been out with this hamstring for about five weeks now. You have to sit on IR for four weeks. I, I think that was botched a little bit by the Steelers. And maybe, you know, after the first couple weeks, you, you thought he was only going to be a week-to-week kind of thing and two weeks out and he's back. But that's clearly not the case. And now he's just eating up a space on your roster and to, to not practice, to just show up mm-hmm. on the practice report as a DNP. So I, I don't understand why uh, that became the case. Big ones that I'm worried about, though. Larry Ogunjobi mm-hmm. with his toe, a limited practice on Wednesday. He did not practice on Thursday. You don't like to see these things trending in the no. wrong direction like that. Larry Ogunjobi has been, I don't want to say the reason why that run defense is now stout, but he's a main contributor to making Absolutely. them top 10 in this this season. It's He's been a revelation for them on that defensive line. So that one absolutely worries me. Benny Snell showed up yesterday on a limited practice basis with a knee injury. Now, the good news with the running back room is Jalen Warren for back a second up, straight yeah. day full. He's starting. Mm-hmm. Jalen Warren is going to start in this game against yeah. the, the Falcons. So I'd like some Benny Snell football, though, as a nice little compliment for him. So watching him be limited is a little bit worrisome. Miles Jack limited for the second straight day. I bet he plays with that knee injury. I bet he's just going to have to deal with that for uh, the remainder of the season. Minka Fitzpatrick limited to full practice yesterday on Thursday with his rib injury. So Minka looks like he's good to go. The big one, though. Well, yeah, hold on. Big. Before I get to the big okay, one, okay. a little bit more good news. Mason Cole limited on Wednesday, full practice Thursday. Cole played through that injury last week, too, though. So mm-hmm. I don't expect him to miss any no. time at center. Outside linebacker T.J. Watt, though. First it was the pec, then it was the knee when he had his pec injury that he needed to get surgery on. Now it's listed as a rib injury. So a third unique injury for T.J. Watt in the 2022 season, and he has been limited in Wednesday and Thursday's practice. I will make a healthy wager with myself right now. He's going to play on Sunday. How effective will he be on Sunday is the question that remains. Again, I think that if you get him, Tom, a presence alone can be so helpful to you rather than just him on the sideline. It's upsetting to see him have such a a struggle of a season, right? Because, I mean, if he doesn't go down, Tom, 
if he doesn't go down in week one with that um, pec injury, I think he's having back-to-back defensive player of the year season. I, I don't know if he's getting to 22 and a half sacks again, but what we saw out of him before he went down in Cincinnati, he was playing like a deep boy all over again. And it's clear that this is a lingering injury, something that is just not getting right. You know, <clears throat> it's not uncommon when you have one thing go wrong for you, and that can lead to other things being discomfortable or uncomfortable for you. So it's clear that this season is going to be riddled with struggles by TJ. It, it just, he's sometimes inhuman, and sometimes he's going to persevere through that and wow you and. He's going to, despite having these uh, rib injuries or, or whatever unique injuries he's having, uh, he's going to play through them and do something for you. But now in three games, we know he only has half a sack. Uh, but again, I think, especially against Atlanta, it's okay to play with a limited or even no TJ Watt. I think you can survive without him, and I think you can especially survive with him. A limited version of him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's we've seen how bad they are without him. I mean, it's, it's I get night that. And, day. and even when he's not as effective as his usual self, he just brings the rest of the defense together so well. So I'd even take like a sixty percent as long as he won't re-injure his. I would take anything, like I'd a thirty percent as TJ. long as he's not going to hurt himself he's, further. Right? If he's on, if he can be on the field, it's just a different team. I do wonder. I if, do. I do say though. I know. I know. I say if it's a different team when he's on the field, but I do think that you can survive without him even though history would suggest otherwise. I do wonder a bit, though, and he I'm not suggesting shut him down. If he can play, he can play, and he should play, and he's going to play. He's not going to you know, take the rest of the season off just to heal up, but just try to get through 2022 and get into this offseason, mm-hmm. and, and maybe... You got to take us yourself. You got to take yourself aside, and you got to reevaluate your training. You got to reevaluate your diet. You know, you got to reevaluate a lot of things in your 2022, 2023 off season, trying to build your body up to be able to withstand the rigors of the NFL season a little bit more effectively. You know, he really wasn't injury prone in the first half of his career. It's been more of a recent thing where this has cropped up in the past two years. Maybe it's time for some reevaluation. Maybe it's time to, you know, putting some muscle in different places or maybe building up stamina in different places mm-hmm. and adjusting the way you attack your off season to help stay healthy in the regular season. Yeah, I get what you mean about the last two seasons, this injury thing becoming a bigger deal than it was before in the past. But even last year, Tom, I mean, he was able to play through a lot. It's just I think it, it, it was put on such notice for for us and for all fans that the team is just a different team with him versus without him. And so I know that he missed, excuse me, some time last year, but it really wasn't anything abnormal. Like there wasn't lingering injuries that kept him out multiple weeks at a time, right? It was kind of something different almost every time that he was out. So in the same way this year, it's the pec, then it's the knee, then it's the ribs. Right, it's the knee is the weird thing because like the rib, the, the rib and the pec that kind of go hand in hand almost. That makes a little more sense to me. The knee thing was kind of fluky. Um, it's just. Now, so last year really wasn't a concern to me because he played through the whole season and he got the single season or tied the single season sack record. This this injury, the pec injury, is what concerns me. Is this going to be something that we see? Is this going to be sim- something similar to what we saw out of older brother JJ where it's season after season with significant injury that led to significant time missed? 
Yeah, and that's obviously the worry that you have right now with TJ Watt because it's it's to the point now where he's at the same spot of his brother when his brother's body started to break yeah. down. Not yeah, saying yeah, they're yeah. the same people, you know, brothers can be different, but you have a little bit of the, the same fact, the, the same fact genetics that you are, running through the your fact body. That you yeah. are brothers, right? This isn't just some other defensive player of the year, previous defensive. You you are related. There is a a connection there. On the Falcons front injury-wise, anybody that can play is going to play uh we mentioned earlier that Kyle Pitts is on IR, and they have deemed that he's going to need surgery, so he's going to be done for the year. But other than that, you know, defensive tackle Jalen Dalton with a toe, he was did not, did not practice, but a limited participant on Thursday, so maybe he'll play. Aaron Arnold Evichetti, the linebacker with a forearm injury, he's limited in back-to-back practices. The only guy that I think is on the injury report that won't go is offensive tackle Chuma Adoga. With a knee injury, he didn't practice on Thursday. Cordell Patterson's on the injury report, but mm. not injury related. It's rest. Is it? Did yeah. not practice Wednesday. Didn't practice Thursday just because of it's rest. just like a little yeah. Rest. He's running the ball back hundred yards every single time he touches the kickoff. He's got to rest. I mean, you got it. Yeah, you got to rest. That's not an easy. I mean, people kind of underestimate how difficult that is to run hundred yards that long and that for that fast, right? Because yeah, you're not just chasing you're you, not yeah. just trotting. You're not like an offensive lineman out there. You you're you have to run faster than anybody else in the field. Now with the Steelers, the other big injury news is Najee Harris is oblique. Did not mm-hmm. practice again on Thursday. He's not going to play. I bet. I don't think so. Uh, we're recording this on it's, Friday morning. When the injury report comes out today, around three o'clock, it's probably going to say DNP will be out, and they'll yeah. rule him out for the I game. I mean, this is ex- this is exactly what we bring up all the time. Uh, that Charlie Batch brings up all the time is the fact that if you go out in a game and you don't return, you're likely to miss at least one game that following game. So. Yeah, you're a little discouraged because you think Najee Harris is trending in the right direction on his season, right? He had another pretty good game uh, before he went down against the Colts. But the fact that you get Jalen Warren back is a huge help because Benny Snell also limited yesterday. Huge help, and maybe someone on this podcast took Jalen Warren in his daily fantasy line. Did you really? I, I think the Steelers are realizing their identity is running the run. football, and I think Warren's going to get like 20 carries in this game because I think Wouldn't that, hate it. Wouldn't hate it. Um, I, I do think that Benny Snell will get a nice division of labor, although I wonder if Jalen Warren and Tony Mack will have a nice little, you know, one-two punch thing going for them. I think all three of those guys are going to dress, though. I think you're going to see Warren and Snell, obviously. I think McFarland's going to get a hat, too, okay. for this game on Sunday. I, I think he deserves it. I think he only had those six carries against, uh, he only had those six carries against the Colts, but they were an effective six carries, and he made himself absolutely a useful piece of that offense. So Yeah, he did. I expect to see all three of those running backs contribute in this game, but I think Jalen Warren's going to have a decently big game, and I'm excited to see him in that first official you're the starting running back role for his first time as a rookie in, he, in the NFL. Here's a question for you. To what degree do the Steelers have to have success in the run game with Warren, McFarlane, and Snell to think that and and Najee Harris in a couple of years when the fifth-year option is the thing, maybe you don't renew it. Well, here's the thing. Running backs, I think, as it stands right now in the NFL, are the easiest skill position to replace. Uh, yeah. I think that used to be wide receiver. I think you used to just be able to go get a wide receiver and plug him in, and he'll catch you five balls when he needs to. But the game has changed so much to more of an emphasis on passes and pass catching, and these receivers are such freaks. I mean, like, Justin Jefferson single-handedly wins games for the Vikings just by how good he is. With running backs now, I think it's shifted to them, where it's like, you get a decent running back, you've got some speed and some power and some balance, plug him behind a good offensive line, he'll rush for 1,000 yards for you. So 
I get what you're saying, but at the same time, there are that elite of the running backs, and I still have hope that Najee can kind of get to that point. I to agree. the Chubbs and the Taylors of the world. But if if you start to see this pattern of without Najee Harris, the committee of guys that you have between McFarlane, uh, Snell, and Warren do well, maybe it's in your best interest in a couple of years to move on. Let me let me throw this out there for you. In 2023, if you looked at the running back pool for free agency in 2023, it's stacked, Tom. Saquon Barley, Kareem Hunt, Rashad Penny. If those guys get to the market. Right. Josh Jacobs, Raheem Mostert. I mean, there's big names. Samaji Pirine. Well, I mean, Josh Jacobs. Miles Sanders. There are big names out there. Josh Jacobs is the best running back in football right now. This year. Yeah. In 2022. Uh, I mean, oh, Saquon's is. up there. I will take Josh Jacobs right Miles now. Miles Sanders. I mean, these are all guys. Saquon. All three of those guys will rush for 1,000 yards. Saquon, Kareem Hunt, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. I, all four of those guys are having. You have to think Saquon's going back, though. I mean, like, why would the Giants let him? I don't know. They're not going to let him go. He's unrestricted right now. Yeah, but they're not going to let him go. Come on. They're not going to let him go. They might, let, they might let Danny Dimes currently, go. Currently are unrestricted free agents coming up. Yeah, they're going to bring Barkley back. I mean, he's just. And, and the fact that he's proved. I, I think that the reason why they didn't sign him long term is just because of the injury problems that he's had. He's He's been healthy all year this year. And if he can remain that way. He's such a good weapon on that offense and really the main reason why I think their offense is capable enough to help get to a 7-4 and four record right now and be in the playoff race. But that stacked class for running backs, I don't think the Steelers are going to need one, though. I mean, I don't think they're going to go out and grab one of those guys because, again, the, ver- the jury is still out on Nodge, and I know this injury really stings timing-wise because he was finally starting to look like Nodge again from his rookie season and mm-hmm. the post-buy games that he played. And unfortunately, now this injury, who knows how much time he's going to have to miss. Maybe it's just this week. Maybe it's more. But we questioned and speculated, was his struggles due to injury problems in the first half of the season? Who's to say that when he does get cleared to play, he won't struggle because of injury problems? Of this injury. This injury. A different yeah. one. No, I think that's a great point. And, you know... We just talked briefly about T.J. Watt dealing with injuries as the season goes on. Maybe you kind of be you have to be in the same boat with Najee Harris. Get him to the off season. Maybe don't ask him. Just given given the state of the season, right? Expectations. You're probably not going to make the playoffs. You maybe could be in the hunt. You maybe could claw your way to eight wins on the year. Maybe even nine. That's still asking for a lot. Uh, but maybe you just kind of say, Najee, we know we know you're good. We just are protecting you. We want to help you. Help us help you by cooling the brakes maybe on this season, and we'll save you for next year. And we'll we'll do a little more, not to say that we're going to bench you, but maybe we'll split your carries with Jalen Warren a little more evenly than rather than going, you know, 66 to 33. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Now, I think the Steelers are starting to identify their identity on offense as a run-first team. But when you're playing the Atlanta Falcons, who have the 28th 
pass defense in the NFL, allowing 255 yards through the air per game. I think this is a good opportunity for Kenny to start to cook a little bit. Yes. Get him. We've been asking for this for a while, too. And I think it's a good timing for this, too, because he, I think without a doubt in a lot of people's mind, played his best game of his young career against the Colts on Monday Night Football. So you get the confidence of that big Monday Night Football win, national TV, I played well, people talking about me nationally, the buzz isn't, oh, he's a turnover machine, he's picking a bus, the buzz is, oh, he protects the football and he mm-hmm. looked pretty good out there. He looks like he showed some potential in that game and... Hats off to you, Rook. You got your first fourth quarter comeback under your belt How as far that? as a quarterback is on, concerned. On, on a nationally televised game. Exactly. That's no small crowd. So there's things that you like about Kenny Pickett. Now I think the next step is that statistical performance, right? That yeah. 260, 270-plus yards through the air, two, three touchdowns, two, three touchdowns two minimum, through the I, think I think two minimum is three. And how about You know what the crazy thing is, Tom? We're, think, we're thinking like two minimum – It'd be the first time in his career he threw for more than one in a single game. So I think you need to see that statistical performance show up, too, to really make you feel like, okay, he's making strides. Because, yeah, it was a good performance against the Colts, but still, you look at the box score and you think that's not good enough yardage-wise for a first-round pick quarterback. I want to start to see, and and the big yardage games that he had, the time he went over 300 yards against the Bills, I mean, that was in garbage, and yeah. they had to throw the ball. He threw the ball oh, like yeah. almost 60 times in that game because they were so far down. I want to see a win where he's like 24 for 31, 285, yeah. two toddies, 24 no 31 is really, I mean, that's real. That's a that's a career game. He's pretty good at that, yeah. though. Like His, oh, his yeah, completion yeah. percentages oh, yeah. are pretty... The weird thing about him, though... He's very accurate, but when he misses, he misses really badly. Like and it, and it's, it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, and I think, you know, Matt Williamson was speculating, is that the hand size thing? Like, do he, does he miss badly because the ball just gets away from him sometimes? And that, you know, the NFL ball is so much different from that college ball. It is an adjustment, and the small hands thing was funny to joke about, but there's some merit to that as well. Whatever it is... It's a little concerning to see him miss so badly like that because post by it hasn't come out. You know the misses have been to the people's feet or have been sailing out of bounds. It's gonna come a time where he's gonna miss badly in the middle of the field mm-hmm. and the safety and it's gonna and lead to an interception. Yeah, so that's a little concerning for him. But I can't even really say it's an accuracy problem because other than the four or five throws a game that are like, what the hell was that? He's like a 68 percent completion percentage overall. So. I don't know. It's a very weird dynamic with Kenny. It's a weird dynamic, but at the same time, Tom, like at the end, of, uh, th- through what he's he's started seven games so far. That sounds about right. Something like that. If you were to give him a letter grade, somewhere around the B minus C plus area, I'd go C minus or C minus pre buy. Okay, I'd go B plus post buy. C minus because of the turnover. He just kept turning the ball over too much. But I will say this: my biggest sign of positive progression with Kenny Pickett is you're turning the ball over too much, kid. Why is he turning the ball over? He's a turnover machine. I'm not going to turn the ball over anymore. Why are you dropping your eyes in the pocket? Keep your eyes downfield. Why aren't you feeling the pressure? Why are you looking at it? You have to keep your eyes glued on your receivers, not the pass rushers. Okay, I'm going to keep my eyes downfield and make plays downfield. He gets better at all the the big areas that people point out and say he's not doing well. He gets better at them. That's coachability, and that's a 
level of thought and a level of processing the game that not a lot of people have. And Mm -hmm. you need a first-round pick quarterback to be able to do that if he's going to be successful. So Mm -hmm. not saying he's improved at every area, but some of the big ones that we've pointed at and said, what are you doing, he's done a lot better at as the season's gone on. And I think that the turnovers is the one that stands out above all else. There was clearly an emphasis placed entering that bye week. You have got to protect the ball more. And not only has he not thrown an interception, the balls that we deem interceptable are they're so not few there. and far. But like yeah. we said, the bad passes are like spiked in the dirt or they're over not, people's they're head. Not, they're not possibly going into the defense. Exactly. Hand. So that's incredibly encouraging to me sure. that there's a major problem addressed and identified and is being fixed. And you can actively see it being fixed results-wise on the field. Yeah, I, there's definitely progress being made. It's just... He, as you pointed out, he hasn't had that big, that big game, right? That that game to say, "Hey, I can He's play quarterback. quarterback." Yeah, yeah, I'm a number one kind of guy. I'm deserving of a number one or of a first round draft pick. And I would really think that at this point of the season, Tom, as you said, pre buy versus post buy, Kenny's been a different guy. Now we're at the point where it's been okay. Even you've, you've played what three games so far after the bye week. You're two and one. Get a third win and make it a statement win. It's going to be against a team where not a lot of people will give you a ton of credit for, but at least you'll be able to say, hey, I know it's not the best defense, but look what I'm capable of doing against, against, lesser, against lesser opponents. I can beat them. I am going to make a prediction. Okay, here we go. I think Deontay Johnson is going to catch a touchdown in this oh, game. Man. I think he's finally going to get off that schneid. We're in week 13, Tom. He still I hasn't like, done it. I know. He hasn't gone over 100 yards yet either. Yeah. I like how their game plan was against the Colts. Get him involved early. Feed him early. Mm-hmm. He ended up leading the team in targets with eight targets in that game. More of the same, I think. I think that you're going to see them get him involved really early. Try to make him a focal point for this offense and... There's a, a little bit of a discussion about, you know, is Kenny and Deontay just, you know, are they ignoring each other? They're not on the same page. It's not on purpose. You know, Kenny's not not finding Deontay Johnson maliciously, like Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore, maybe. Uh, there's something seriously going on between those two behind the scenes. That ain't the case with Kenny Pickett here in Pittsburgh. I like the theory that people have put forward that when he was in training camp, all year, the guy he was working with more closely was Pickens. You know, the guy he was working with more closely were those second, third, fourth receivers as the third string than the second string quarterback through training camp. Where Deontay, he didn't really get that much of a rapport with. You got to build that rapport up. And yeah. everybody who's in the know will tell you that Deontay is one of the most open receivers in the NFL. And he is the most open receiver on the Steelers mm-hmm. week in and week out. The dam's going to break. I still have confidence that the dam will break, and I'm going to put my name on it this week that he'll get a touchdown. He he should have had one last week. He had that ball yeah, as he, a number one receiver. Have. You have you gotta to make, make that, that catch. catch. you got to use two hands. He messed it up, mm-hmm. but I think this week he gets, a little, see, he gets a little bit of redemption this week because I, I think he's going to get in the end zone. Did you see Ben Roethlisberger, his podcast? He, he was watching the game during it while he was podcasting, I guess. Because the Monday night game, yeah. With Pouncey. Pouncing in somebody else, and nice. he was there was a live reaction to that play, and he had two comments. He said it was a good throw by Kenny, and George Pickens had to get two hands on that ball. Had to get two hands on that ball. But he he complimented Kenny, and I I think we you and I were talking about this on Wednesday. Maybe Kenny could have put it a little closer to Pickens, but I think any quarterback would have said, "Oh, I think that's a good throw." 
Yeah, I, I think, think I think I think it's more so on the receiver. Maybe than not it is a good throw, a catchable throw. A catchable though. throw, it's right? A catchable Especially throw. when you throw it in the radius of a guy like you said, Dale Lolly pointed out or or described George area Pickens as, as an area code receiver. Yeah, he, he, he had the space. Keep an eye on him in the one handers. Mm-hmm. I think that Cleveland catch might have put a little bit of Too extra much, confidence yeah. in his bat. Like, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to. He'll make more one handed no. catches, and sometimes you have to go up with one right. hand. But someone needs to wide receiver coach needs to really drill into him when it's one hand only, and when you need to try to make a two handed catch, dive. But and a part of that is you know it's easier to go up with one hand and land on your feet. Sometimes when you go up with two hands, you got to sacrifice your body uh-huh. and make a dive and hit the ground hard. And so. we've seen him do that. We've seen him. Oh yeah, come I'm not down. saying that he's we've afraid seen him of come contact. down hard yeah. and come up a little shaken up. I'm not saying he's afraid of contact, but it is no, but it's a different he, mentality. Like, we've seen it from him, too, where he does sacrifice his body to make the catch with both hands, and he has had to pay the price. So maybe on that one he thought, I can get this with one, and I can protect myself by doing so. It just it just didn't happen. I, also, I mean, he, got, he had the ball in his hand. It I, was honestly kind of surprising he could have pulled it in with one hand. I also don't think it's a coincidence that post-buy, the Steelers have had really good success running the football. They don't turn the ball over anymore. And the passing game has opened up and become a little bit more down the field. Not as much as we'd like, but you see more shots being taken. And I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with that running game being a compliment to your young quarterback. That's why Mac Jones was good last year. And that's why the Patriots made the playoffs last year. And that's that's why the Patriots are floating around 500 this year. They have a strong running game, and it helps Mac Jones make life easier for himself. And... That's what we wanted for Kenny, for Mitch, even before Kenny came in all year long, and it just hasn't come to fruition until the post-buy that that running game has been good. One last thing to touch on on Kenny that I'm really impressed with, he sees one-on-one coverage and he's there every time. Oh, yeah, he doesn't especially hesitate with Pickens. Yep, he doesn't hesitate for a second. Mm-hmm. He sees a one-on-one matchup, and he is attack, attack, attack. Now, with the Falcons, terrible secondary, but A.J. Terrell is still a really good defensive back. Maybe not as good as he was last year, but he's still probably top 10 in the league as far as a corner is concerned. I still see one-on-one with him, and I attack it with George Pickens because, quite frankly, they might not be there yet, but the potential that they show, the Pickett-to-Pickens potential, is Montana and Rice. No, I'm kidding. I hate when people do that. But it's enough of a good connection to say, our dude's better than your dude, even if you are Jalen Ramsey or whatever. I'm still throwing it up on one-on-one coverage. Good luck. He's good enough. He shows the signs to yeah. be good enough that there's not a shutdown corner that you ignore him because he's one-on-one. Every yeah. time he's one-on-one, you take it no matter who the opposite number is. I don't know. I, I expect to see. <sighs> it's hard. I I just, I've, I felt myself walking into that trap as I was saying it, saying I expect to see a lot more deep shots than normal even though they've been trending in that direction i was saying this should be a season high right however i you have to be realistic with a rookie quarterback and a young team right it's a young team it's a young quarterback and it's a young team around uh kenny pickett so it wouldn't kill me if you're not seeing his average yards per attempt exceed 15 something like that but you're you're gonna come back on Monday morning and think that was kind of an opportunity that was wasted. Yes. That this is the team that you go down the field and attack on. And maybe if you do it a couple times, you feel good about it and maybe you convert. But if if you end up on the day with only if Kenny ends up on the day with less than ten 
balls thrown 20 yards or deeper, you're going to feel pretty upset about that. Yeah, I'm very excited to see them attack the Falcons in this game. And like I said, I think it can be a really big day for Kenny and the offense in general. But first and foremost, you got to win. It's another winnable game. Well, so that's the thing is that it's a game I think you're favored in for the first time in a, a long time. This that's year. the thing is that I don't think that the lack of the deep shots will kill you. I think there's a lot of different ways the Steelers can win this game. I agree. They're a better team than the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, except for on special teams. And it's, it's, the, and, it's the only area and, where. And via the win loss record. Yeah. But only by a half a game. Right, but I'm, I'm, they are better than They'll you. Correct and, that this week. Yeah, I think, I think they should. Subscribe to SNR's newest podcast. The godfather of Pittsburgh sports is talking nothing but Steelers. It's Savern on Steelers. The new episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday, and you can subscribe today. They're available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. I know Stan really loves doing those podcasts, puts a lot of time and heart into it, so give it a listen. It's good stuff from the godfather. We're going to talk about the action upcoming this week in the NFL. It is a great, oh, great awesome. menu of NFL games to pick awesome. from on awesome, Sunday. Awesome. And we had a decent one last night. Yeah. Record-wise, it was kind of boring, though, game-wise. It was. Bills kind of had control from start to finish. So we'll talk a little bit about that and preview the upcoming Sunday schedule that's on the way next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman, and this is the Steelers Standard. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.